My name is James Timmons, and I've made my living for many years as a bounty hunter, hunting and catching the men and some women who seem to believe that the law don't apply to them. Well, it does. And regardless of how fast they run and how tough they be, I bring them back. Some face justice, and some have already had justice done to them, because in the wild country beyond the reach of civilized law, I am judge, jury, and executioner. The year was 1865. I was living in Kansas at the time, having just returned from the Civil War. At sixteen, I had run away from home with drums and trumpets ringing in my ears and glory on my mind. What I found was far from glorious. It felt like an endless epic of savagery, terror, and near starvation. I was only five years older by the calendar, perhaps, but time measured in quick march and desperate bayonet charges ages a man without letting him really mature. Now that there were no sergeants telling me when to get up, when to line up, and when to run, I realized that even though I had technically come of age, in many ways I was still a boy. I had just gotten in after the long journey from Virginia. I found I liked being home again, and couldn't comprehend that young'un who took off all those years ago with only a pair of boots and my pa's second-best black powder rifle. My family had greeted me warmly, and in many ways, as if I'd never been gone. I did think my mother would never let me go. She hugged me so hard. But she'd had to go through a lot of nights where the news was bad and she feared I was dead. My pa just looked at me sternly and said, I was a mite late for dinner. I knew what he meant. My homecoming was a bit of a celebration and the Gattons, who lived across the creek, and the cooks from up on West Mountain had come to welcome me home. We had a good supper, something I learned to dearly appreciate during those long weeks when bacon and beans were all that we had in our haversacks. After dinner, the menfolk came out to the front porch for a smoke and a taste of the elixir that had enabled General Grant to win the war. My father had put away an especially good batch of Kentucky bourbon for the day I'd come home, and when he broke the seal, I could see a smile, even though it was almost hidden by his long and well-groomed mustache. That whiskey was as good as the rot gut our quartermaster distilled for our daily ration had been bad, and it was all the better for being drunk on the porch of my home and not in some leaky canvas tent in a pouring rain. I had just finished my first glass when Dale Gatton stood up and said, Look at that, by damn! Flames, and damn big ones. Looks like they're coming from Lester Williams' place. We all got up and looked to the west, and sure enough, the red of a raging fire was lighting up the night sky. Not one of us hesitated. The men all went for their horses and tack while I told my mother where we was headed. When I ran back to the barn, I found that my paw had already saddled my roan gelding, along with his brown one, and we headed off. My pa and I, along with Dale Gatton and William Cook, mounted up and rode west at a gallop, but once we came around the bend in the road near Pawnee Mound, we could see there weren't much to be done. The Williams homestead, barn, and outbuildings 
were already falling in the raging flames and the stench of burned flesh was in the air. When we got close enough, we could make out the bodies of Jonah and Lillian Williams and their four children piled in the inferno that used to be their front room. While we waited for the flames to die down to ashes, the sheriff and most of the settlers for miles around had shown up. There was nothing anyone could do. There was no doubt about the situation. All of the bodies had bullet holes dead in the middle of their foreheads. Sheriff Ben Joseph muttered, Well, shooting's a horror, but thank God those little ones didn't burn. The livestock was gone, along with what few valuables Jonah Williams had carried out here all the way from the east. Even in the ashes, it was clear that the silver forks and spoons Lillian had polished so carefully, and the old clock that had stood over the mantel, were gone.